0: Hello everyone. <rings>
1: on Block Talk Radio, and we are excited today. We're just waiting for our co-host, Mr. J. Logan, to come on. And we are just so excited today, folks. We have with us Kuth Weil of the movie, The Good Lies, starring Reese Witherspoon, Kuth Weil, Emmanuel Dahl, Gur Duwani, and so many amazing people. It's a, a, a poignant story about the people of Sudan and what they have dealt with and gone through, not in a way of us feeling sorry for them, but in a way of how can we make a world body? You know, like really, how can we make a difference? We think we hear about these stories all the time, but it really touches your heart because that can be any one of us. As we heard today about the the Ebola virus hitting New York, I'm not sorry, not New York, hitting Dallas in the states. It it was unreal for me to read that because sometimes you feel, oh, that's in another location. It will never happen here. So, you know, with that said, um I was struck when I met this beautiful woman last night at the premiere. It was one of the most amazing things that I I I just cannot tell you enough of what I'm almost a loss for words, and as you as the audience know, I'm never lost for uh, words. You know, a lot of people, when they listen to our show, they truly think that our show is about journalism, and it isn't. It's about bringing real people like Emmanuel Jahl, who's been here a couple of months ago, and Coos Wild who is coming on with us. It's real people. She's a real person. This is not something she just acted in. She dealt with this, her family, the loss of her family for a period of time. So I really want our audience to really listen in today because you're going to get a bird's-eye view of what it is to look through another's eye, experience with their heart what they felt, not what we think they should feel. So without further ado, we have our Mr Jay Logan on and we're gonna bring on Kuth right away because as you can imagine her schedule. Jay, how are you? Are you ready to get into this interview I I'm, I'm psyched. Yes. I'm I'm very, very excited. I'm very, very ready.
0: I'm
1: I'm Jay, this is this is a moment. I'm this is why we did this show. Is to share with people you know what goes on. You know what I mean. This is this is why we did it. And I'm so excited. And um, how is it out in San Francisco there, uh, Mr. Logan? Yes, did we lose. Did we lose I'm, you? I'm, I'm, I'm here. No, I'm I'm very much here. Okay. Well, Jay, um, we, we have... don't need you to. We're going to definitely need you today, so would you hold on, Jay? And I'm, I know I asked you a question, but we have to bring her on. Is that okay with you, Jay?
0: That's fine.
1: Everybody, I am pleased to have Ms. Kuth Weil. Kuth, would you please meet our co-host here, Mr. J. Logan. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for having Hello. me. Hello. Wonderful. Wonderful
0: to have you also. Nice meeting you.
1: Yes. So, Kuth, we're going to ask you a series of questions about your journey from Sudan, you know, to here in the States you yeah. know, what life has been like for you, um, you know, the difference you see in youth in Sudan and here. And also, uh-huh. we're going to get to the movie, don't worry. But we want to know, we want people to know more about you, Kuth Weil, and not just because you've been in a movie, but this movie I know is very close to your heart. So we just ask that you answer the question so that we don't give away too much of the good stuff before the end of, of your time with us. Would that be okay?
2: Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs>
1: So is it okay if we tell everyone what your birth name is?
2: My birth name? Yes, it's uh, Nyquath, or I uh, guess in America it's Nyquath.
1: Okay, so so Nyakwath is really how you pronounce it, am I correct? Yes, Nyakwath, yeah. Nyquath. And so Nyquath, um, Kuth is your known here in America. We just thank you for having you on the show. And I'm going to get right into the questions with you. You know, I had an opportunity to meet you yesterday. And, uh, Jay, it was one of the most profound meetings because on my way I was thinking about my mother who's passed. And I see why, you know, sometimes the people that we've loved that have moved on, they talk to us in different ways. And in meeting her, I was so taken back by her portrayal in the the movie. And I want to go right there, you know, Kuth, I know that you come from Sudan, and one of the things I'd like to ask you, if you could share with our audience, you know, how old were you when you actually dealt with what was going on in Sudan? And if you would tell the people, so that we get a bird's-eye view, what was going on with you while you were in Sudan? Okay. Well,
2: um, I was born in Ethiopia in a refugee camp called Itang. And um, at that time, that's when Sudan was still going through the Civil War. And so... Um, I think it was in, in nineteen ninety one the Ethiopian Civil War has had pushed us out of the country again and so we went to back to Sudan. And at that time my parents were aid workers for the UN so very often we um we did walk back and forth and while in Sudan my youngest brother was born and in nineteen ninety three um war broke out again and we fled to um to Ethiopia and uh I think that was my earliest memory of war Is when um, I lost my father at that time And so um, we were displaced for about five days Um, There was only five of those children And the oldest one out of all of us was eight years old And so um, I think we we walked back and forth for five days Trying to figure out where we were going Where our parents were Because um, we had split up with my father and my uncle Because um, they had told us to go a certain direction Because they felt that... um, if children went alone by themselves, they they wouldn't be attacked as much as uh, adults would, because they weren't much of a threat as adults were. And so, eventually, we found ourselves at a um, at a, an army base, and we, uh, my uncle was a uh, uh, he was a part of the army at that time. And so, we just told them that we were his children, and luckily, they had found him and located us, and that was how I was reunited with my mother at that time and um, so my earliest memory of Sudan was um, I think it was right away when we um, encountered war there and after that we moved to Ethiopia and that's where I soon lived in refugee camps. I remember living in three different refugee camps because um, the situation was always changing and um i mean we were in a foreign country at that time so not everything was good based on um what the foreign policies were in that country so we moved around very often and um in 1997 uh my mother was uh she worked in the, in the camps um in the hospitals like helping children and feeding feeding the sick kids and someone had came up to her and said that um her son was looking for her in america and she didn't even know that he was alive at that time. Um, they had split up a while back. Before I was even born, he went to Kenya, or he, he walked the truck that the Lost Boys did and eventually ended up in Kenya. And so that's how we had gotten the word that he was alive. So when he, w- he immigrated to Minnesota at that time. And a year later, in 1998, we came to the U.S. and landed right in Minnesota, and so that's, um, most of my upbringing has been in Ethiopia, um, uh, parts of it in Sudan and then in Minnesota is where I mostly grew up.
1: You know, Jay, I know you have a question, but I want to get to something that you just said, Kuth. Yeah. What was, what was it like wandering around looking for your mother when you guys were kids? Has that stayed with you
0: as you've got? I mean, of, of
2: course it did. Um, I think it was the first time we,
0: uh,
2: well, I realized that, it's like a, the more further you get away from your home or where you live, it's like it's the, the weirdest feeling in the world because you know you're not home. And the more you keep looking back, the further away it gets. And so um, I think we just had that survival instinct to just survive. because even We had to leave one of us. One of us was left behind, and um, I think we he, he had passed away. We later found out that he passed away. And because he – it was that thing where um, – if one person was hurt it was up to everybody to carry them and get them around and we as children we had decided that it was time to just let it go and move on and i mean from that point on at such a young age you make those kind of decisions they're not they're not children you know they're not decisions that children should be making but it's um something that we had to learn in order to survive at that point but um, it's oh, it always sticks with me. Even today, I, I'm still a. Uh, I feel like I'm a. I'm a nomadic person, where I'm not really home. Even where I'm living, I don't feel like it's home, in a sense. Wow. Where I still want to go back to Sudan and Ethiopia and just go back to where I came from and figure things out from there, and then come back
1: and find out what I want to do. Thank you, Jade, I know you had a question for
0: Kuz. Yes, yes, Kuz. So my question is, did you ever think that you were going to leave Sudan and come to America and be a citizen?
2: <laughs> I mean,
0: no, I feel
2: like there's always that sense of hope. We always had hope and we had strong faith. Um our parents had very strong faith and I think that's how they were able to keep us alive and keep us surviving at that point. But I I never um in my wildest dreams, no, everything just kept happening out of out of nowhere. And I mean, I knew it was a sign of obviously our faith has kept us strong. But also, um, I feel like my people have a lot of optimism when it comes to that, because we've been through the worst. So what's you know, there's nothing worse that could happen. So you just wait for whatever little things that you can get and whatever little opportunity you can have to have a better life. I and mean, we always have to we have to take that. But I never, um, I guess I had never dreamed of it because that was the only life that I knew. I didn't mm. know of any, you know. A, I can't say I wanted to do this because I didn't know that this was possible for myself until we had immigrated to America, until we got on that plane is when we all realized what the intensity
1: of it was. You know, um, I know that's what I'm saying, Jay. You know, one of the things I want to ask you, you know, sometimes one of the things we do, Kuth, is we like to bring youth together from around the world Mm -hmm. to show them how important schooling is. And I think sometimes here, even in urban environments where people can't afford, afford, because there are things that are happening here in these states that are Mm -hmm. almost as bad as what's going on in Sudan and other parts of the world. Yes, yes, definitely. When you went to school here, especially over in Minnesota, okay, Uh can you tell us and our audience what you saw in the difference of the young people who go to school here and what they take for granted that you wish, you know, that there's so many students wish that they had in Sudan?
2: Oh wow. Um I mean obviously the circumstances are always different, but there's obviously a vast, um, um, I guess, divide within the education system here and then in, in Africa in general. And I thought that in when we were in Ethiopia and we went to school there, it was it was hard to go to school but you wanted to do it. Um, I remember we had to walk about several miles just to get to school. And each morning everyone had to get up and do their part to make sure that we get there on time. And there's such a vast difference where education here i feel it's, it's kind of um it's taken for granted it's not really appreciated as much as it should be i mean it's probably because of the fact that it's um it's readily available and it's uh what is it? it's required it's not something that you have to go get it's it's something that's required and everyone has to do it so you don't appreciate the extensity of it i mean even i um even in college. I think I realized um, the the power of education when I could actually have my own say in what I want to study and how I want to study it, and that's when I first realized the importance of education and why our parents had pushed us so hard to um to achieve, to um academically achieve. And um, I think here in America, there's a there's a difference between I, I guess it's parenting. You know, every every parent wants their kids to go to school and do well. But at the same time, um, there's this I guess divide in which you you want your children to learn but you don't want them to enjoy learning in that sense and I felt that in Africa we enjoyed it because it was the only thing that gave us an escape. We knew it was an escape out of our um out of the poverty that we were in or even just to learn about the world and the learn about different cultures and what's around you in that sense and so there were moments where you you didn't even have a piece of paper to write in so everyone shared one paper everyone shared one pencil and here it's 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 a totally different experience and um knowing that everything is readily available but at the same time it's how um how you use that information and how you apply it it's totally different from africa and america
1: wow Wow. Mm-hmm. um jay i mean <laughs> i know you had another question <laughs> Uh, I'm
0: I'm still with the Sudan uh, crew. Now I'm I'm trying to understand this. Now you got on the plane on an international flight, and then uh-huh. you go from you go from this this weather that's so hot, and you end up in Minneapolis. How does that work? Can you explain? Like coming from that heat, <laughs> going to ice. What, what was I your... mean,
2: um, we actually came June June eighteenth, nineteen ninety eight. The first day that we got to America, and it was summer. <laughs> at that time. So we didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into. And um, <laughs> I think it was <laughs> once the winter came around, or even fall came around. Uh, I think wow. it, it was a shock. It was a shock to all of us because of how cold it was. And we started wearing coats, in, and I, I remember it was in September. We started wearing coats. So that's how <laughs> early on we were trying to uh, adhere to the cold and adapt to it. But it was so hard just just to um, see all the snow and have it, be so cold outside and you had to walk in it. It was a weird experience. was it a culture shock? I mean, cause
0: that had to be, a, that had to be tremendous. Oh, it was a major
2: culture shock, especially, um, when we had came in, we went through this class course over the summer of learning, of having to learn everything that we needed to in order to, um, go to school and be at the grade level that you're supposed to be in, age-wise, because that's what they do. They don't, um, they don't put you in where you are cognitively um, there. They put you where your age is at. And so I remember we had a crash course over the summer trying to learn English, trying to learn phonetics, um, writing sentences and vowels and everything. And I think uh, for us it, was, it wasn't it was as bad. It was for our parents who had to adjust to this culture at um, a later age and they didn't really speak English that well. And so we had to step up and translate for them and um do and compensate for what they were missing. And so a lot of uh, children had to grow up really fast to, to help their parents even adjust to
1: the culture as well. Well, you know, what – go ahead, Jay, I'm sorry. Well,
0: I just I wanted to did, – did the area, when you got there, did they embrace your family, or was it very hard to get along with the villagers, you know, the Minneapolis uh, people? Did they just love you when you got there, or was did you? Was well, impossible? when we first got
2: to Minneapolis, actually um, – we were in North Minneapolis, and um, I remember we weren't we weren't really that welcomed by the African American community that we were in. It was shocking to us because we came in, and we, you know, you come in, and these are people that look like you, so you would expect it to be welcoming and for you to learn more and be more accepting. And it wasn't that way at all. And I remember um, there was a lot of violence in the neighborhood that we were in, and so my mother had decided to move us to a smaller town called Faribault, Minnesota where we um went to a private school there for i guess um for about 6 years until we went to a public school for high school but that was um part of the reason why that she thought she felt that in order to cuz we had just came from war and she felt that we had to get away from violence in order to even um, adjust to the new culture and do well in school at that time and so i knew that was a sacrifice that she made to make sure that we didn't um we weren't we wouldn't be influenced by even trying to find our own identities and then we'd have to deal with the violence of being in that when we just had came to a traumatic situation.
1: You know, what you're saying that, you know, I have a question for you. Yeah. Have you still associated, you know, being that because, you know, in this country violence can erupt anywhere, you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Among any culture. Do you still um, find, have you better acquainted yourself and seen a difference in African-Americans that it wasn't, it was just in that instance and it's not, you know, something that's across the board?
2: Oh, no, no, of course not. I mean, um, I think it it was just in that situation. Because when I went to college, uh, my college is very, very, um, it had a huge diversity program. I was in the um, Pan-African American Student Union. And I didn't see any of that. That those feelings at all. I think it was just um, based on the situation that we were in and that, at that time. But um, no, I learned. Um, I think most everything that I had learned about African American, African American culture was when I was in college. Wow. And so I took. I really took advantage of that because I wanted to know that part of the history and um, dive deeper into it. And I had a lot of uh, friends who were African American, so that made it easier for me to um, us to even have dialogue because we would even talk about you know the problems that African Americans have with Africans in general. And um, it really helped a lot to get a different perspective of what's been going on because it's, it's two different types of um, cultures. Uh, yeah, two different types of cultures. And so for them to, and they did, in a way they did kind of mix, but it was still um, in a sense where, yes, we're all, you know, we have a background of African, but at the same time we're still in two different cultures. And so it's, it's about getting to know each person and their background, and trying to find common ground in that sense.
1: And did you find that with Caribbean culture, Latino culture, European culture, all the cultures? Oh yeah, I found that. I think,
2: yeah, definitely. I mean, I found that with almost every. Because I, what I did was, um, when I was in college, I took a, like different uh, a course of different, trying to learn different religions. I took, yeah, even um, I remember like different types of history. So that way, I can educate myself and know where each person comes from in their own background. And it just, I felt like it opens your eyes, and just to, um, it gives you more empathy in a sense. Yeah,
1: that you, and and that's that's so great because you know, um, I know Jay has one other question for you, and, and we mm-hmm. do want to ask it tw- you know, three twenty six. May we keep you for just a few more minutes? If that's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: That's fine.
1: That's fine. Um, one of the things, you know, I know that, um, you know, coming here and you know, landing on, the, you know, there, and then you know, mixing with the other kids and and so forth. In addition to what you have seen you know like in 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 youth appreciating okay, yes, what do you think the youth of the United States i mean across all cultures across the board yeah. to learn from youth in sudan wow,
2: I mean youth in Sudan are really in um really critical situation right now due to um the fact that uh things were not working um I guess in the matter of the government, um, giving youth more opportunities and more outlets, more education is a really big, it's really I would say it's it's kind of non existent right now. And so our youth are turning to um I guess to a lot of violence because they're they're being oppressed in a sense I felt that if we had provided these youth with the right, um educational facilities and everything that they needed in order to have opportunities to get out of um li or poverty, they would not have reacted as the way they did today. And what has happened um, December 15th was a catalyst to the youth um, now becoming more violent and um, opposing a lot of um, the peaceful, um, I guess, the peaceful initiatives that have been brought to the country based on what was not provided to them that should have been. But I feel like, I mean, every child is a child. Children are children, and the youth are um, such a vulnerable population in every part of the world. The point where it's like they they try to um, make sense of the world, but also want to make their own identities as well. And if that's not nurtured, and if, if it's not given the right kind of attention, it's very easy to break away from the rest mm-hmm. of society. And um, and I think that every youth has potential. Obviously, they, every one of them has potential. It's just uh, it's just a matter of how they're being nurtured and how much resources they're being given in order to thrive in this world.
1: Mm-hmm. Jay, I know you had a question too.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I am. I, Gail, I am so happy you have you have her on our show. I mean, she's great. I just all the adversity and just to come here and get a degree. And I mean, you come mm-hmm. from the you come from the ground and you come out here to America. I want to know how would you make change with in the state of Sudan right now? With the government having problems, um, failing to govern the state. If you could go there. And make a change. What is the first thing you you would do? Wow.
2: Well, um, if yeah, if that was possible, I think that. Um, I mean, I, I I never want to give up my country at all, even though it has done so much to push back its people and to oppress its own people. I think there's always still hope. I always keep that hope alive because that's that's the one. Thing that brought us here. That's the reason why I'm here. It's the reason why I'm trying to do what I'm doing, so that I can at least contribute to it in the future, or at least somehow influence it. And um, I just wanted to let them know that like, it's—it's—they have so much potential, and there's so much growth to be done. But we cannot sit here and act like peace is going to come overnight. We we have to want it, and we have to work in it, and we have to achieve it in that sense. But I think that um, our people are, they're very, I guess they're very optimistic and they're very resilient in that sense where I can see them coming out of this and they will eventually, but at this point I can only give my support and my care and my love to my people. And um, that is why I'm advocating and raising awareness as much as I can and, getting into as many news outlets as I can to let people know that we're in a critical situation right now. And what we have gone through as children, I guess what you've seen in The Good Lie and what we've gone through as children, we don't want anyone else to go through that ever again. And because it's happening right now, it puts us in a position of um, I guess it's where we, we feel helpless and we can't help, but at the same time um, we can influence with the power that we have and I think that um, that we can only do our best, but there has to be a better outlet. There has to be, um, like, a better calling for us, and this will end. And I think that how much have we have sacrificed for our country, uh, it's all worth it. And I think that at the end of the day, we will achieve um, what we need to and bring peace. You oh. know,
1: um, it, it, i I got to jump in here, Jay, and then I okay, I, okay. I, I, ha- I got you, because I have to ask uh, Kuth this question. Okay. Yeah, you said something very powerful um, about women, okay, yes, when we yes. spoke yesterday. And mm-hmm. I want to ask you something. You know, everyone is focused on the gender, the gender, the gender of women, gender. you know, <laughs> equality. And, you know, I have a personal belief. It's not about, for me, equality, because equality is different per tribe, in each. and I say tribe in each country because we're all tribes. Yes, yeah, true. And the, and the thing is that, Women and equality, to me, it's about partnership between men and women because that just the behavior mm-hmm. and mindset of each party. It's True. not equality is saying I'm fighting for something.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: because a man is needed very much in the household as much as a woman is very much needed in the household. Mm-hmm. My question to you, as a woman who has seen what she's seen, what do you think about women and their role in the difference that, you know, we hear the word make a difference and it's overused. Well, yeah. What is what is the difference that women can make that you see that you don't think that we're aware of and how yes. not not just your country but any country can interact with each other as as it relates to partnership with men together as a whole? Yes,
2: yes. I think that women need to um, realize that they have a voice and that as as their story is just as validated as much as the the, the male narrative is. And uh, it, it, I see that the most crucial problem is women stepping up and telling their own story and putting that into forefront where sometimes they feel like it's, um, it's not as important, when it's just, just as important as uh, the male story It's just as uh, validated as it is. And I think that's where the partnership comes from, where um, there's a mutual respect between men and women and i feel um progress cannot come at all without having that mutual respect and in every country that um that does have human rights um they have more valued in having um accessibility and resources for both for both um genders and so i think it's emphasizing that both genders are the same and that they go through as many much problems as they do but in this society or in this world i feel women um are not Doing as much as they can because their voice is—it's um, kind of quiet down, and their voice has been lowered to the sense where um, their 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 power becomes lowered when their voice is lowered. So I think yeah. um, they just need to be more valued in society. Thank and you. That is where
1: equality will come from. Oh wow, that's powerful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That is powerful. Wow, um, Jay. I know you had a question for her.
0: Yeah, I wanna get into this the movie Gail a little bit and about her acting. I have two questions. The first one is gonna make yeah. me laugh. you laugh. you're in Minneapolis. I wanna have you seen a guy on a motorcycle up there with a purple coat with heels on did you meet anybody up there like that? Or might Elton? have you seen anybody driving? <laughs> <Elton? laughs> kinda of like a purple he has a purple coat on, purple shoes, everything is kinda of purple, kind of a short guy. He plays guitar. You didn't you didn't meet him, did you? But the other the other question is Oh um, how, Are you
2: talking about that?
0: <laughs> you're funny. I love you. Um, the other the other question is. I'll be oh, talking about is, friends.
2: <laughs> I know a lot of guys who wear purple and ride motorcycles. So that's why I'm trying to figure
0: it out. <laughs> well, you're yeah, yeah. right there with me. So What's I want to ask you, <laughs> I want to ask her, how did you get into this acting and in this movie? I'm excited about this movie. How did you do this? Wait a well, minute. I Jay, mean, <laughs> a, wait a minute. Now, Coos, that's unfair.
1: Joe Jay, you asked my question but okay, I won't give you a hard okay. time. Go ahead, Cool. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, Gail, you asked. No, no, I think I think this movie in a in a way it found me. When I when I had heard Margaret's story about how she it took her eleven years to make this movie. And um, we were thinking about just looking, putting it into perspective. Eleven years ago, if she had made this movie, we wouldn't be in it because we would have been children, and I don't think they would have found us in that way that they did for this movie. And so, um, when it found me, I was I was in college. um, I was in my last semester, and uh, I remember getting a hold of the script. I was a little taken back because I had never seen a movie that was focusing on um, South Sudanese or just the Sudanese history in general. And I, I remember being very emotional from reading the script because of how culturally um, accurate it was and how much so it depicted the, everything from the landscape to the dialogue. It was just perfect. And um, I, I had told them that I'm, I'm still in school and that um, that I needed uh, to know if, if I did get picked for this role, like what I would need, because I would be making a sacrifice to leave school at that time. And so they had told me about that, and um, once I got to talk to the director and meet with him over Skype, uh, they had told me that they wanted me to come out to Atlanta and um, actually go over the rehearsal. And uh, I I knew that I I had to make the sacrifice of leaving school so that I could shoot this movie, but it wasn't just a regular movie for me. This was a history of my country. This was a story of my brother's story of my sisters, this was a story of a collective effort of how much people we had lost in this war, but also it's a story of our ancestors and how they are. Um, their struggle was now going to be validated because the world is going to see what they have gone through. And we had a whole nation that was is backing us up on this story. And so um, I decided to take that on, knowing that it was something special that I needed to do. Uh, at that time, I wasn't really... Um, acting in in college. I did it in grade school when we did plays in school and I was modeling at that time, so I didn't um I only did commercial acting. I didn't do any serious dramatic acting. And so um so <laughs> I mean they I guess they just picked me on my sheer talent at that time because they knew the kind of experience that I had. And so we filmed and we filmed and throughout the whole process it was it was hard. It was an emotional journey for all of us because there were some things that we didn't um, necessarily want to delve into because this, this was a war that had affected us so deeply, and it's the reason why we were all there at that time. Uh, but it was a responsibility that we needed to do, you know, especially for even my character, because you hear about the lost boys of the all the time, you don't know, take in consideration that girls had gone through the same predicament as well, and they had immigrated to the U.S. as well and had left their families and made sacrifices as much as uh, the boys did. And I felt that it was my responsibility to give those women a voice and to um, empower them to this role. And even today, I mean, I, I, I had completed the movie, and it's going to be out on Friday, October 3rd. But uh, I have women come up to me and say, thank you, thank you for doing this. And I always tell them, like, thank Margaret, because she wrote this story. And she put in... Um, uh, a female character, but also she wanted to make her significant in the fact that even from the beginning of the movie, she plays dead and then gets up again and picks up and becomes a mother figure to these to her brothers. And um, I felt that her character was very important and that it needed to be um, shown and brought into light.
1: Wow. Well, you know, um, Jay, um, one of the things I want to ask you about the movie, you know, Manuel was on earlier with us. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the things Emmanuel said, Emmanuel Hive, how are you out there, Jay? And I say hello to you. Um, one thing mm-hmm. he said that was powerful for us is that he knows what it's like to be in a concrete jungle, both in Sudan and here. Yeah. Because he lived in a rough neighborhood here, and that was so powerful for you know for us to hear as an American audience and to appreciate because we think here in America we're so far removed, but we're not. And yeah, we're not.
2: not at all.
1: No, we're not. We have Ebola that just struck here in the last two days. So mm-hmm. one of the things that I wanted to ask you in this movie, there was a pivotal point where I know Emmanuel has been reconnected with his sister, okay? Yes. I yes. know that story well. And there's a point in the movie, Jay, when I won't let the whole thing out, but where, you know, she comes in, and I wanted to ask you, was that poignant for you and uh, Emmanuel at that point? Was that what? Was that a very poignant, you know, like was that a very uh, a very sensitive Part for you, Emmanuel, when you were on the set.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, almost every single, um, I guess, every single scene in that movie was very uh, emotional for all of us. But I think the um, the part where um, they see Avatar, it's, it, uh, I felt it was, um, it obviously was very emotional for all of us. But we've all been separated from our families, and so to have that. Reuniting in a way, I thought it was very um, uplifting to see that. But at the same time, it's um, it's something that we're all going through because I have a sister in Ethiopia that um, I had left 16 years ago, and I still have siblings that I have never met in my life. And so to be re, um, replaying that and to be depicting that was very hard for us as well because uh, it's something that we've all been longing for, and hopefully. We get to achieve it, but um, I mean we're all survivors in this world, and we can only
1: push ahead one
2: by one step at a time.
1: Yes, and and what is, you know, um, we only have one question after this uh, yeah. after after Jay, and then we'll let you go because we thank you for your time, Jay. I know you had some questions before we go.
0: Yes, my my last question is, how was it working with Reese Witherspoon? You did it, it again, <laughs> Jay. You did it
1: again. That was my next question. So <laughs> <though>, your <laughs> question. <laughs>
2: yeah she's no no i mean Reese <laughs> has been um she, she she's been growing with us i mean since since I was a young girl I've been watching her movies and um uh, she's she was a very um great figure for young women i think it was an illegally blonde and um she she grew up she grew up with me and just to see her and uh, to actually meet her was um was a, such a humbling experience because this is a woman that I had been looking up to as far as um acting. And she was she was so welcoming, and she opened her arms to us, and we even got to meet her family and it just she just made us feel so comfortable where we we didn't feel like we needed to um hold back on anything and even with when it came to our scenes, I remember my first scene was with her, and i was- I remember telling her how nervous I was, and um how you know this was my first time doing it, and she she made me feel at ease, and over time it just we just all got so comfortable with each other where we didn't even um all we needed to do was just get our lines and we had that connection automatically and I think um I mean obviously I have to thank the director Felipe Aldo, for um putting us in the right mindset for having these um kind of emotional scenes that we have. But also because Reese and Corey and Sarah were so welcoming to us where we felt like we didn't want we didn't need any restraint when it came to um to um working with them.
1: Wow. Well, um, Jake, did you have any other questions before we go? Because I know sometimes you're burning. You've already stole my other questions. So I'll beat you up
0: offline. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm just, I, Gail, this is an amazing guest. I'm so happy that you brought her on the show. I have no more questions, Gail, but I'm just, I hope she comes back. And, you know, Thank it's, you. It's just, it's really, she has the right spirit, and I'm looking for the Oscar to come out of this movie. You know, Gail, it's written <laughs> Oscar movies.
1: <laughs> we all have a fingers class. So. Yes. And yeah. you know, and, and you know, Jay, I learned from um Kuth and um the cast that, you know, Emmanuel is a jokester. And, I oh, all, you didn't know that? <laughs> no. Emmanuel was so serious with us. Jay, he is a complete jokester.
2: He is a complete jokester. Sometimes I I have a hard time distinguishing what, what um what he's uh, like if he's being comedic about something or if he's being serious. Yeah, he he's, has that kind of...
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is, he's, he's funny. You know, but one of the things I wanted to ask you, this is something... So Lyra, who I showed you yesterday, you look I mean, you and Lyra can be twins. <laughs> and one That's of the us. things... I, as a beautiful black African woman, okay... I want to know, you know, what you show is not just an African woman, but a Caucasian woman, a Latino woman, a Jewish woman, a Palestinian woman, mm-hmm. a, um, a woman from, you know, Afghanistan, from anywhere in the world, the beauty within. I want to ask you, if you could go back, I want to, and, and actually it's a two-fold question, it's my last question. If you could go back to Africa as a continent, not Africa, each individual country but Africa is a continent and you look at every beautiful black child and you're here in America, what would you say to that woman and about, in fact, all the people there, about looking inside themselves and loving the skin that they're in? What would you say to them? I think that um,
2: in today's society, we have this wall that puts us in a certain place in which we should never reach when it comes to accepting ourselves um, for who we are and for where we come from. But I think that uh, I've always told um, little girls who come up to me, I'm always telling them, don't give yourself any limits. Don't ever think that you can't do anything because someone told you you can't. And, um, I mean, I'm the I am the true testament to, um, I guess you could say, I wouldn't say the American dream, but the dream in general, knowing that you can get out of anything. And achieve whatever you want. Mm. I mean, I am working with you know, I have I have a psychology degree, but also I'm working in, in entertainment because of the fact that I've I've been um, given um, the privilege to do both things. Where I can, I love what I'm doing, but I can also give back to my people and also um, I guess empower others and let them know that anything is possible. I mean, we we came from a country that was in war and we lost everything that we had. And now we're in a different place, in a, in a different world. But at the same time, that's not because um, of what we, you know, it wasn't because it was given to us at that time, but because we had envisioned it and we had hope for it, we had faith. And I think wow. that um, girls should never look at themselves in a, in a physical, physical way. I think it comes from growth mentally. It's a lot of growth that comes mentally. And okay. even for myself, I mean, I've gone through... <laughs> I've gone through a journey myself as well, so I think it's it's, it's mindset. It's a total mindset, and um, if they're just just encouraging, just encouraging girls that they can do whatever they want, or even anybody,
1: they can do whatever they want to do, as long well, as it's and, the, and and the last part of that is, what would you tell every woman in this country and everywhere around the world about just being a woman? Wow. Well, I mean
2: I I guess I don't know where to start in that sense but I think um women hold um they they hold such a deep history this maternal um they have this maternal history with them um in which they they are the ones who um give life um they nurture life and they also um educate as well and I think that every woman should know that they are themselves an educator, not because they're seeking education, but because they can influence so much. They have so much influence, not just in their own homes, but in the world in general.
1: Wow. Well, we thank you so much for being on our show. We thank truly you. do. Thank you for having me. And we're sorry that we kept you. Please tell your manager. we're sorry that we <laughs> kept you for like 20 minutes over. No, um, it's <laughs> Well, we thoroughly enjoyed you and thank you. Just ever thank you, ever so much.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
1: This is amazing. And hopefully we can speak again. Yes, definitely. Oh, no, we will be speaking with you again, both (laughs) offline and online. And, you know, if there is a foundation, because we are going to be supporting the foundation of Emmanuel, but if there's a, a foundation that's close to your heart, please let us know, and we will do anything we can to shine a light on it and support yes, it. Definitely,
2: definitely, definitely, um, definitely, I mean, even with the movie, we they established the Good Life Fund, which is going to um, help refugees in, uh, in South Sudan and neighboring countries with um, aid, but also here in the U.S. with their education. And so the Good Life Fund right now is something that we are working for and to raise money for it. But there's, there's a lot of foundations, of course, that um, I hold close to my heart. I mean, I'm, I'm working with UNICEF right now as well to raise more awareness about the children in South Sudan and um, what they're going through. And I think there's going to be a video tomorrow that UNICEF is going to air with um, my testimony and Gare's testimony of being a child in, in Sudan and in Ethiopia and being in war, but also um, having the um, crucial necessities that UNICEF had given us for our survival in general. And so, yeah, this organization that I had grown up with, organizations that like the UN, people who brought me here in general, I think that those are organizations that I hold close because they're the ones who have given me this opportunity to be here today.
1: And thank you for saying that. I mean, Jay, I think you would agree with this. I think that's one thing, you know, we want to say is that the UN does do its job. hmm Yes, oh, definitely. certainly. The U.N. does do its job. So thank you again so much, Kuth, and we hope to have you on again. Yes, and definitely. Any, yes. And any way that we can support you, we will.
2: Yes, definitely. I have your contact, so we'll be in touch. Thank you.
1: Thank you so okay. much. Thank you. thank you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Jay, this was amazing. Mm-hmm. This was oh, absolutely yeah. amazing. I mean I I simply I, I fell in love with her as a person. She she's so amazing. She's so kind-hearted and um she's just great and 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 beautiful from the inside out. I mean she's she's a striking woman. Everyone don't worry neither J or I are gay. I mean not that anything would be wrong with that but no we're both married. So um but it it's just that she she's beautiful. She's beautiful inside and out. And um I, 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 you know, I'm like I say again, I'm rarely left speechless. Rarely. But this uh, left me in a very speechless place. I very. mean, it's, it's
0: amazing. It's very, very speechless, and it's amazing. You can see her spirit shining through by listening to her voice, and she's such a beautiful personality. You can see that that she knows what she wants, and she's She's aspiring, and uh, I really, really, really enjoyed her today. I did too. You
1: know. Now, you know, we've got to get to those the news of the day. Listen, give sound bites. You know what I mean. So yeah. I think this is really, really important. Some of the things. You know, speaking of women, my uh, let's, let's say a shout out to Darren Brown, one of our people for Listen Give, Cornell. A woman, a first woman is appointed as his next president, Elizabeth Garrett. Isn't that great?
0: Speaking of women, that's a, yeah, that's amazing. It's, it's, it's getting ready to be the year for you know our beautiful queen to take to, you know to do things now, and I'm glad the world is changing. And just like with, uh, cool, you know, the world is changing, and women are now making a difference more so. And and it's time. It's time for us. You know, we, we it's time for women to come into the. To the light, you know, like my mom, you know. I mean, it without the moms and without the women, it wouldn't be any men. So it's time. So I just love Elizabeth Garrett getting this opportunity, and she's actually, you know, what's so amazing about this girl? She's stepping down um, from the University of uh, Southern California to. She's kind of stepping, not all the way down, but just to be the president. This is this is uh, this is wonderful. She's going to an Ivy League school, and she's becoming the president and. This is great. This is great, this is a historical thing. It's, it's really great for Cornell.
1: Well, you know, it's great for Cornell, but I just, you know, I just want to be careful. While it's amazing that we have women stepping into positions, we have to remind women of something. They have to be secure within themselves. And not, does it mean perfect, because we all have our idiosyncrasies, but we have to be secure within ourselves because so many women are still very competitive. And this is not, you know, some of today's women don't understand like people with Gloria Steinem and others before us did. Gloria Steinem and the rest set forth so that we could vote and have rights. But equality, you know, one of the things I heard Coos say earlier on the phone today um, with us is that it's so important to have, once we realize that we can have a voice and It's basically saying what I'm saying here. And own who you are. Then equality comes. Do you get what I'm saying? So it's Mm -hmm. not a matter of just having a woman step up into a male's place because now we're saying equality. I would rather have whoever is going to be the best fit for the position, regardless of their sexual orientation. That's more important to me then someone who okay, we'll just put a woman in, or we'll just put a man in, or just put a a girl or a boy in. If that makes sense to you, right? That that's where the partnership comes in between men and women, because then it shifts the behavioral set and the mindset of how we approach things in life. You know, so that's the part that we have to be careful because you know when we speak about a woman, a woman is needed to make the difference. But if we don't have our men there to protect us and take care of us, and to look at things that we as women sometimes can't see, and vice versa, we can see things that sometimes a male can't see. We have to be careful of that. That's that's my only thing, Jay. We really, really have to be careful. What are your thoughts on that? I know you probably do. You disagree with me over there, Mr. Logan, or what are you, what are your thoughts?
0: Well, no, it's got no. It's got to be a mutual respect, and I understand what you're saying, and it, it's true, you know. Um, um, you got to look at it from both sides of, of the coin, you know. There's two sides, and so I agree with you. You know, it, it, you know, you got to be very careful with this. We um, don't want to make us. You don't want to make us feel like, hey, you guys are taking our jobs. You know, we don't want to feel like that. But at the same time, it's um, it's a great thing. You know, I was raised by like 12 12 women, 12 aunties, so it doesn't bother me. I love to see women in charge. You know, I got beat upside my head a thousand times. And um, so it made me the person I am today. So you know, it's a, it's a place for everything. This is great for the the, the little girls, Jelena, and, and your nieces. It's just good to see this. You know, with all this stuff going on, you know, with women and men having these different issues this year, just to see this this is this is wonderful.
1: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I I am I'm just really so excited and um, grateful for what we're creating here. And um the only other thing I mean we have you know, we have a couple more minutes and I wanted to really talk about this other thing that you had, Jay, you know, about the listening to, listen to sound bites on Google to offer school students unlimited storage for free. Jay, can you, you know, usher us into this uh this area, uh a little more knowledge about
0: it. Yeah, well they they had a they had a, a, a thirty gigabyte limit on, you know, only for educational customers, you know, people who are going to school. And so, you know, you know, what can thirty gig gigabytes do for you these days, you know. I remember back to well, I won't say that. Well, when I was younger <laughs> thirty gigabytes was a lot. And now it's like that's a jump drive, you know, woo hoo. Thanks. Thanks. What do you give me that for? So for them to lift this before the other other companies that have these great terabytes and in favor to help Hey, like educated education customers. I think Google is making a point here. They want to help us learn. They want to help society. They they're taking putting their foot out and saying, "Hey, here you guys. We're going to help you store your stuff because that's the problem with a lot of things now. Storage. You know, you don't have enough storage. You don't have enough data. So this this is a great thing that Google has offered to school students. It's for students. And it's totally free. Come on, you know. I mean, all the other companies that that has that this. Product they should offer the same thing because it's going to help our children. It's going to help everyone. And Google has, you know, they never cease to amaze me. They, you know, they put it Google, out there. So that's- well, you
1: know that you know that you know that's my dream job. So we won't even start there. You know, one other thing I want to let everyone know about Google talking about cloud storage is that um, we recently had an update to the, all of us who have had um, MacBook Pros, uh, iPhones. You know, and also the um, our, our iPads. And as someone, I know you have an iPhone and an iPad. I have a MacBook. I have an iPad. You know, our family, some of our family members have iPads and MacBooks. And here's the thing, you know, this is where I am still a PC girl. Sometimes we have had with this update, we have a huge security, a huge security glitch that's happening with Apple. So just for all of you. You need to go online and you need to download the security glitch because if you do not download the security glitch, you will find out that all of your information and in storage has been compromised by a virus. And that is the big news, Jay, about, you know, dealing with Google and its storage. It's going to attack, attack any Apple storage, any Google storage, or anything of the like. Right.
0: So we've got to be no, careful with
1: that So. So just to let you know, Jay, I know you had some issues with your phone. The name of the download to deal with this outbreak, it's called BASH. And if you go on to the Apple website, you can download BASH, the BASH update for your phone, your iPad, or your MacBook Pro, or your MacBook Air. Because right now, if you're on Google Cloud, if you're on the Apple Cloud, or any other type of cloud storage, um, the glitch will leave you very vulnerable.
0: Well, I'll definitely go there. I need to go there right now when I
1: get off the phone. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and the last thing, Jay, we were going to talk about, Pink. We just want to put a real quick shout-out. Pink, thank you. You're doing an amazing uh, benefit to benefit to benefit cancer. And it's to benefit the prevention of cancer. So go check Pink out. The, the, and if you guys don't know who Pink is, she is Pink, the well-known global artist. So with that, Jay... I am thankful to you for another week, and Kuf Wild Naya, Naya Kuf wild of Sudan, we thank you, The Good Lie, keep it rocking, and Jay, you've got to go see this movie with your family, and I'm going to see it with my family on Friday, October 3rd, 2014, Warner Brothers, Alcon, Black Label Media release. Thank you, everybody, and we're out with patent leathers. I want your number. See you guys next week.
0: See you.